0: so glad you found us, <laughs> but you I hope you'll get used to it. I'm delighted to welcome you here tonight. I'm Mary Wood for the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education, and I'm pleased to welcome you here in the Norse Theater in San Francisco, and also those of you who may be listening to this program this e- that we will be doing this evening at a later time on the San Francisco Ballet's website. We are uh, delighted to welcome you to this, the last Points of View program for this season, San Francisco Ballet's 80th season. As you know, the, uh, the Center for Dance Education produces the Points of View programs, the Meet the Artist interviews, many other programming for adult education, as well as for children throughout the community and at the Opera House, and all of that is available to you, especially through the website. Many of you are familiar with the fact that these programs are recorded, and you can go to the website to look for podcasts of these recordings. Of course, this season there's been a little bit of technical difficulty in getting them up and running, so we know that you will be wanting to look for them next week after the season has ended, but it's your chance to go back and review the season, catch a program you missed, or perhaps review one that you particularly enjoyed. Uh, As I mentioned, the programming for the uh, Center for Dance Education is directed by Charles Chip McNeil, and the adult education programming is coordinated by Cecilia Beam. And it's always a pleasure for me at the end of the season to ask you to give her a special thanks for the coordinating that she does (laughs) to make these so successful and smooth running. I have very few announcements as we've reached the end of the season. One thing I would mention is that of course, next year's programming is uh, announced. Season subscriptions are being sold and uh, you can of course go to the website to find out more about that. You can always call the box office, call the ballet number directly. Um, Another announcement I would make is that many of you probably are aware that Cinderella is completely sold out and one way to see a second performance is to reserve early and get a subscription for next season, Mm -hmm. because it will come back next season. It will be, um, I think, program four in the middle of the year. Uh, There are, however, standing room tickets available. If any of you had the stamina and the patience um, to go on the day of the performance to the Opera House, they have, I think it's 200 standing room tickets. Another way to catch this incredible production one more time. I am uh, just so excited that we're ending the season with such honored guests. And I want to, at this point, introduce to you, first on your left, um, ballet master Anita Pachoti. well known to most of you, I think. Anita is celebrating 45 years of unbroken work for San Francisco Ballet. <laughs> And we know her as a dancer, as an actor, as a ballet master, and eloquent spokesperson for our art. Standout roles include everything from the comic Lise in La Female Gardee to the uh, extraordinarily powerful Medea, to a wide repertoire of mothers I think we all relish her role as Lady Capulet in Romeo and Juliet. In addition to her contributions as character dancer and ballet master, uh, we will be able to see her, in fact, you will be able to see her this evening in Cinderella. And speaking of that, we're going to have to let her go a little bit early (laughs) because she has to sprint up the street. Uh, in order to make the sign-in and get into her gorgeous costume and tiara. One of the things that you get when you do mothers is gorgeous dresses. (laughs) We may have a chance to talk about So anyway, welcome, Anita. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Happy to be here. Thank you. Hi, everyone. And then it's just a treat to be able to, um, I guess I would say I get to reintroduce Felipe Diaz, who has rejoined the institution of San Francisco Ballet as Ballet Master as of January of this season. Um, Felipe was born in Bogota, Colombia, where he trained with his parents before attending the San Francisco Ballet School, which is where I first got to know Felipe as a Mm -hmm. student. And then he danced uh, as a soloist with San Francisco Ballet then moved to Europe where he performed with both the English National Ballet and the Dutch National Ballet. (coughs) His roles among others include the Prince in another version of Cinderella, Basilio in Don Quixote, the Cavalier in Nutcracker, James in La Silphide, sounds pretty good. Um, Lensky in Oniege, Petrushka, uh, Mercutio and Romeo and Juliet, and then, of course, leading roles in the works by the major choreographers George Balanchine, Jerome Robbins, Christopher Wilden, Hans van Manen, Alexei Rutmansky, we might talk about that, mm-hmm. and William Forsythe, among many others. Um, then, after retiring from the stage, he began working as a ballet master for the Dutch National Ballet, and then has also been teaching throughout Europe and Asia and Throughout the United States. So thank you, Felipe, for joining us. Thank
1: you very much. Hello, good evening.
0: And welcome back to San Francisco. (laughs) Thank you. We clearly want to spend a lot of time talking about the wonderful Cinderella. If I could ask, how many of you have seen it yet? I've seen it already. I'm seeing quite a few hands. And how many have not seen it yet? So we will do our best not to really spoil anything, but we will also tantalize you with what wonderful things you have in store. Um, But I think it's important to really know how Anita and Felipe are contributing to the piece and give a little context for their contributions by asking a little bit about, Anita, your approach to, especially these wonderful character roles, and your approach to being a ballet master, and then also those similar questions for Felipe. Anita, you, um, when we think of you and we think of your career, we think of those wonderful characters, but you did have a perfectly respectable career as a classical dancer. Do you have any memories of a special part that you might have danced that was not a character, a few of them, yeah, uh, that I had some some
2: self respect <laughs> I liked sa a lot mm-hmm. i didn't uh, i liked Sarah a great deal, and also choleric in the four temperaments and i did lot a few different parts in symphony and C which w- was challenging and very enjoyable and many things of Luz were uh abstract ilillustrstrato um But really, I I was uh, sort of targeted as a a more of a character dancer from the day I got to San Francisco Ballet. And that was okay with me. I mean, the first ballet I really did as maybe 13 years old was in the Oakland Ballet was Hansel and Gretel. So I I was, and then later and and very early, I did the full length Giselle with a little company here from San Francisco. So I was always, Interested in story ballets and and portraying a character, and I had lots of help. I d- I did some acting in high school, and I had we had wonderful coaches in open ballet, people who were actually uh-huh. theater coaches, and so that that was very comfortable for me, more more comfortable than just attempting difficult uh, maneuvers that weren't always so successful.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, this may be seen as jumping around a little bit, but um, you have now had also a successful career as a ballet master, which most of us are pretty familiar with. What that entails, um, you do work some with the children, and f- for instance, Nutcracker. Yes, is that correct? I, have, I have for many, many years, mm-hmm. and it's always been um,
2: a delightful thing to do. I'm very proud of it, and, and I. I love getting to know all those children. I, I know their names by the time we're we're up and running Nutcracker, and they learn so much doing it. And I I teach Clara uh, how to be how to not look like a ballet student, which is really interesting because um, she's not a ballet student. She's a little girl, and it's very difficult when you have children who are 10, 11 years old, twelve, and all they want to be is a ballerina. So all they they figure out what they think it looks like, and then th- they do that all the time. So <laughs> to get them to say, just act naturally, run across the room like you're afraid of a mountain, You know things that you have to teach them how to do, which is just to be natural, oh. it's interesting.
0: How, um, and I know you work with other children, I mean with children in other roles as well. How can you and other members of the artistic staff identify the dancer who is going to be the next Anita Pachotti who is going to be that mm-hmm. acting dancer. Can well, you, you do see that? it? You see it at a young age. Uh, some have it all;
2: they have a, a, a naturally gifted body, a beautiful body, which is really a requirement for classical ballet. And um, some have just. The body, but not not so much not so much talent is in expressing or in, in portraying a character. And others have phenomenal talent as actors, and you can see that they're they're probably not going to be professional ballet dancers, but it doesn't keep us from using those mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. In in what we can use them for h- here and now, because I think it's just important for their development to know that that they they were not. Uh, Mm, limited to be part of the San Francisco Ballet because they would never be a
0: professional. I think that's very important. And then when you look at the large corps de ballet that San Francisco Ballet has, uh, some of those dancers, and they're all—I just—I think of the analogy for some reason of racehorses. They're just—they are the most extraordinary specimens, um, <laughs> specimens, <laughs> beasts of yeah. talent, and and so beautifully. Made and trained and so on, some of them find themselves doing the acting roles. How do you tell which one is going to be invited, or do you just try them out?
2: Yeah, you have to try because yes. oftentimes uh, the first the first impression is that they they don't get it or they're they're not the best choice. Or uh, but you can't do that because many t- t- times they've never been given the opportunity because many professional dancers did not do the same kind of route I did. And they were basically in the classroom becoming really polished technically, but did not perform a lot and didn't do story ballets when they did. So they discovered in themselves and I've seen it happen just right under our noses right now during this run of Cinderella, uh, different people have come, come just suddenly they're out there and doing a beautiful job in, a, in a, an acting Back role. Acting role. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they just, they just need to try.
0: One more thing while we're in this general area. Um, <coughs> you have worked with, and this was a, a little sort of question comment I elicited from your colleague, Betsy Erickson, who has also worked with the company for a very, very long time. You've worked with every director that San Francisco Ballet has had Except Adolf Bohm. Except <laughs> Adolf Bohm. <laughs> in 1933. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> every now and then, do you hear one of them whispering in your ear when you are in your either dancing role or in a, in a directing role? Yes. Yes. I, they, and what I'm
2: sorts of different things will they say? Hmm. Um, if I can think of a, a quote, but I just see—I can see Michael Smuin. Even in this production, I can—and I, j- I jab Val sometimes, and I say, "Doesn't that look like Michael choreographed it?" It's funny because mm-hmm. Michael had a really good sense of humor. Christopher Wilden has an incredible sense of humor and theatricality. And there's some c- things for mm-hmm. the King mm-hmm. that, to me, mm-hmm. look like they could have been right out of mm-hmm. our old Cinderella that we did so many years ago. Um, Lou, we quote a a lot of time, Jim and I always quote in the party scene of Nutcracker, keep your gestures high and move, keep your chesters high so that the children look small. (laughs) That's wonderful. That's nice. (laughs) Yeah. And you had
0: the opportunity to work with Willem Christensen when he uh, restaged the first scene Mm -hmm. in the Nutcracker. Mm -hmm. Um, That was probably a priceless few months. You can quote him better than I can.
2: Um, When in doubt, turn out, is that Benet?
0: That was probably- That's Benet or Um, Or, or or, Harold. Now Hmm. I'm blanking on things that Mr. Willem Christensen would say, Um, (laughs) woodshed, woodshed. Yeah, woodshed. Go out behind the woodshed and practice that. Yeah. And so that was the shortcut. He would just look at you, you needed more work and he'd say, woodshed.
2: Yeah, (laughs) Lou would say, (laughs) let's be a little less vocal about this and a little more physical.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, those are some great ways of looking back and across the time and bringing us a little bit more closer to the present in working on a production like this. I'm gonna let Felipe have a chance here. Um, you um, a- arrived at San Francisco Ballet already in the Heli Thomason era. Yes. How did you get here from Colombia?
1: Well, my, uh, my parents were both, uh, actually my mother was uh, kind of the, bioneer, the pioneer of uh, ballet, classical ballet in Colombia. She um, um, opened the very first classical ballet company uh-huh. in Bogota many, many years ago. And alongside with that, um, her and my dad, they opened their own ballet school at the same time as having a, a dance career, so it was uh, very difficult mm-hmm. for them but so i um i had the desire to to go even further and 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 study in the united states and so um actually um betsy erickson had a connection there she had been to colombia several times to set different different ballets and it was through her that my parents were able to uh, get a video of of my early dancing to helgi Uh and um, that's how it all became you know i was accepted into the school and i came when i was quite young i was 14 years old Mm
0: -hmm. and spent that time in the school and uh, during that era the school was doing a lot of these well it was the pre-trainee group era now we the school has the trainee program so pre-professional dancers go out into the community they
1: go all over the place they go everywhere yeah
0: um and but before that program we had a program of lecture demonstrations that went everywhere around the community and you participated very actively in that and um, I've had a beginning student and an intermediate student and an advanced student and I think during those years you went from being one of the (laughs) intermediate (laughs) ones (laughs) to being one of the advanced ones the advanced ones got to do the partnering Um, then you joined the company and how long did you stay here in San Francisco performing
1: I was I was here a total of ten years. Uh-huh. I think I was in the school maybe about two and a half years, mm-hmm. but okay. in overall my time was ten years. Before moving mm-hmm. to Europe,
0: mm-hmm. and then um, that it's so interesting to me that siren call of going somewhere. And so, yeah. what t- what drew you to the European companies?
1: Well, it's uh, it's always that 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 thing of of um, the cur- curiosity and and just wanting to dance uh, different roles, or wanted wanting to experience different training, uh, living in a different c- country, mm-hmm. in a different culture. Um, um, and also my, my girlfriend at the time wanted to also <laughs> go abroad. So we went together. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm so glad. And I guess I can say, uh, your Who wife- Who is my wife now, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, his wife, Marissa, so okay. was one of those students that went out and about. Yes. And I had the privilege of watching her go from level one when she was the little demonstrator of the five positions to being one of the advanced girls in Mm. this this goofy troop we had went everywhere. Mm. Um, So anyway, that experience in Europe then has really um, given you all sorts of perspectives on things. Oh, absolutely. I just want to, if this is a fair thing to ask, compare and contrast a European company experience with a San Francisco Ballet experience.
1: Well, I have to say that I, um, well, for for the first, uh, the first thing is that a dancer is never happy. (laughs) So that's the first thing. And you always want something else. But uh, having said that, um, I feel very, very lucky that I was able to have um, the best of both worlds, and a career in the United States and a career in Europe. And um, I, I would say the, the, the biggest difference is um, created, unfortunately, by a financial factor, and that is that in Europe, most, most of the companies um, have life contracts for, for the dancers. and uh, in, in the United States, that is not the case, you're hired. Per season and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, so that that can uh, the the full time contract in Europe can can dancers can become complacent and and relaxed and um, a little bit laid back. Um, in on in the in, in the other uh, side of the spectrum would be the great energy and. Uh, Professionalism that an American dancer has because their livelihood depends mm-hmm. on it, mm-hmm. mm. and that's a very general statement. Not that everyone would be like that, but but it's a it's a different way of, of uh, a different system of, of running these companies. Um, also, the training it's 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 quite different uh, uh, from what you have in the United States. The, the standard of training tends to be more Russian-oriented than in America, where mm-hmm. it's more um, for the most part, from uh, School of American uh-huh. Ballet kind of methodology. Uh-huh. Um, so that is different. Uh, another aspect would be that most companies in Europe are within their own house. Like for example, in the Dutch National, you are in house all all season, all all year long, sharing the opera with uh, the opera house uh-huh. with the opera. Uh-huh. So that is that is your actual home, and you you have your studios there. You have your dressing rooms and you have your stage there and you're just basically Uh, there all day long uh, and um, performance in the evening the opera the next day the ballet like that supposed Uh, to here we have uh, just uh, condensed Mm -hmm. seasons Mm -hmm. you know so the scheduling is -hmm. is very very different yeah
0: and you found yourself now um, after this wonderful career you said you danced in the two different companies
1: in Europe. Uh-huh. Yes, uh, English National and the Dutch National Ballet, yeah.
0: But you spent most of your time in Holland.
1: At the yeah. Dutch National, yeah. yes, yes.
0: So then retirement uh, from the stage loomed and you became ballet master.
1: Well, it, it was kind of a... Um, curious It wasn't from night and day. Uh-huh. I, The last, I would say the last five years of my career, well, I, I, even when I was a dancer here in San Francisco Ballet, I, I was teaching already mm-hmm. quite a bit. Um, I used to take class uh, very often with a a, a very good uh, Russian teacher of mine, and very often she was late. (laughs) So she would just call the pianist and say, tell Felipe to go ahead and start the class. So I would do that very often. So, and you know, I was already teaching for my parents' school whenever I would go home. Mm -hmm. So I was definitely very interested in Mm -hmm. that. Um, And in Amsterdam, um, very often our schedule is not as strict as here in the sense that it's not an exact week, like you you have this day off and you work these days, it's very uh, a little bit random. So a lot of times you may have a day off before a very important performance the next day, and it all started like that because dancers would would see that. Oh, he's I would go on my own to the theater and do my own class and do my own training, and little by little people started. Oh, can I join you? Can I join you? And little by little, next thing you know, we had a very group, a big group of people um, asking me to. You know train with them and then that's how it evolved and the last I would say five years of my, of my career at the Dutch National um, my director um, Ted Branson he uh, was very supportive of that fact and he just started making me teach the company every now and then and go teach the school and go teach that and if there's a guest company coming he would arrange so that I would be their guest teacher and little by little he would say I want you to rehearse this ballet I want you to rehearse that ballet at the same time, fulfilling my, my duties as a dancer. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it was actually very, very great for me because when I really finally stopped from, really retired from the stage, which was December 2011, um, and then I, I started my job as a ballet master a day later, um, it's like nothing had changed except that I wasn't on stage anymore. Mm-hmm. So it was a very smooth transition.
0: We've had a lot of conversations that most of these people have heard about what a ballet master really does. Um, and so without, we don't need to rehash a lot of that. Mm. But um, what, uh, if you could just identify something that you feel passionate about that allows you to, to feel that you're an effective ballet master, what do you like doing? What is it about it that you like doing?
1: What I really love the most is helping dancers to um, believe in themselves and to uh, um, just to really um, uh, remove all kinds of inhibitions, physical and mental, and um, just free themselves. Um, I love that, and I also... um, I, I, was a very, um, I was very passionate about my work as a dancer, and I am very passionate about teaching just as much. So I, um, my main thing is motivation, yeah. I really, um, without being extremely, uh, I'm, I think I'm strict enough, but I think I, I try to get people to do what I want just by making them want to do it. Uh-huh. And that is kind of my, my aim.
0: This um, we're going to jump into Cinderella now, and that's a fairly good segue because this Cinderella that you have seen or will see is it's pretty well publicized that this is a joint production, and I can't help but be struck by the coincidence that it was created on both the Dutch National Ballet and San Francisco Ballet, and you have just come from there. Um, did is this a chicken and egg question? Did you uh, want to come back to San Francisco before this production, or did that stimulate your no. thinking? I,
1: I, I think I it's
0: a wonderful synthesis. of.
1: I, it was announced to us in, in Holland uh, quite a few seasons <laughs> ago mm-hmm. that, that there was going to be a new Cinderella by Chris Wilden. We didn't know exactly at the time that it was going to be with the San Francisco Ballet, and that was, of course, a great coincidence. Um, but. Uh, No, no, it wasn't like that. It it, 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 it was, um, I I started slowly getting invited actually by Lola Diabola, the former school Mm -hmm. director, to come and teach for the summer program. Mm -hmm. And then little by little Helgi started asking me to come and teach the company every now and then. And it just so happened that uh, my director from Amsterdam sent us here with another ballet mistress from Holland when Christopher began the whole work process and we were working with Anita as well, everybody in the studio together, me and the lady from, uh, from Holland. And yeah, so.
0: That, that is where my next question is going to go. This has just seemed so fascinating. When you see the production, it's just huge, huge amount of technical stuff going on, but so many dancers, so many parts, and we've heard many times, half of it was created here, half of it was created there. Um, Anita, give you giving you a chance to speak. How did it get stitched together into one big wonderful production? I and just what were the logistics?
2: Well I, well, I think Christopher is a very planful person. He's he's done so many pieces now and he's done several full lengths, and he's very organized and he always has a team of terrific people. Mm-hmm. And he's he, he, um he made his plan, except there's no Jackie. Jackie Barrett is the woman who, mm-hmm. who really, uh, helps him or just works like side by side, talking about ideas yeah. and laughing about everything. She's a former uh, ballerina, English okay. ballerina too. And anyway, he did plan that when he came here, which was going to be first, uh, which made sense because the production was going to premiere in Holland. So you'd want to be there right before the premiere. Mm-hmm. So he, s- he chose to be th- the first leg of the journey would be here in the summer, which is the time that we have uh, the months of, of rehearsal, just <coughs> rehearsal, no performances. Mm-hmm. So we could have an intense period. And he, d- he decided that the bulk of the, the core should definitely be done at that time. And also a lot a lot of the, the, the dancing, actually, mm-hmm. um, the dances for uh, the Prince and Cinderella. Two parodies de were created here, and for two weeks at that time, two couples—I think it was two, two couples—from couples, the yeah. Dutch National joined us. So they learned those dances here in from the, the, in the in very the US. beginning, mm-hmm. uh, mostly, yeah. And um, likewise, later on, two couples from uh, us went to Holland for the same purpose to continue the, so the choreographer, choreography for the Prince and Cinderella. So th- he did that. He did all of the seasons. The basically, the ballet dancing, the bulk of the, the dancing was done here, and then what happened there, which Felipe can speak about better, because, I just, I just marvel and admire what happened, because I think the characters, the characters in this ballet are absolutely sensational. Uh-huh. I know he had Frederick Ashton to kind of compare himself to. It. It's one of the reasons why he chose not to use men as the stepsisters, because he felt Ashton had done it so brilliantly. So he didn't do that. He used two women and, but just when they came here, no, actually, I guess when I saw the DVD and I saw how funny it is and how, how well-timed the action is and the comedy is just divine, um, I, I just realized that that's, that was really the main thing. He did He did that work in Holland. Mm-hmm. Not because we couldn't have done it here, but it just, it's closer to the time that's gonna be performed and you got all that that other stuff, like the core and the, the dance numbers done here. And Felipe can speak more about
1: sure. that.
0: So when, he g- when the uh, focus shifted there then, would have been in the fall because it premiered mm-hmm. in December. So it
1: was premiered December yeah. 13, uh, and I would say he arrived maybe a good three and a half weeks before not 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 that long not that long oh lord (laughs) so (laughs) prior prior to that prior to that uh, was also very very difficult time just like it was for 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 us now here Mm -hmm. because it's not like the company just dances cinderella the entire year there is other things going on you know uh, we were doing uh, lots of different ballets right before uh, two mixed programs, mm-hmm. no. so that's mm-hmm. six ballets. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in Holland, it was the exact same thing. We were busy going on tour here and there and performing this and that. So prior to Christopher's arrival, we had to actually have something prepared. So all the stuff that was taught here,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we had to start teaching it to the dancers so that when Christopher would, arro- would arrive, in one room, that could be put together and worked on, while in the another room, Christopher was creating those scenes that uh, Anita was talking about. And we spent hours and hours doing those kitchen scenes, mm. as, as she's mentioning about the, how to repeating over and mm-hmm. over, just a small section of eight yeah. counts, how mm-hmm. the, the comedy and the timing. Yeah, or, or
2: the portraits, Jackie said took
0: a long or time. Or the portraits, Very yeah. I'm scene. gonna start looking at some of the images we have here, and, and this will maybe help you as you're talking about this. I mm. think we have the portraits. First of all, this is um, kitchen. the family and the first scene I think or I mean early one of the early scenes one was of the Cinderella. first kitchen scenes yeah yeah and we are seeing stepsisters I think we see um the stepmother from the back and then these interesting characters of the fates maybe you can talk a little bit about how those appeared uh they, he actually did a lot of the work of the f- on the
2: fates here as well mm. not all of it but a lot of it because they have a very big dance they dance through, through the entire production and they're they're like a mini chorus but they they are the fates. They they sort of control what happens mm-hmm. to Cinderella. They 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 take her places. They they are not supposed to be seen. You know, they're wearing very dark clothes. Their faces are painted gold, but they lift her and they'll they'll manipulate her and therefore facilitate the story. They'll they'll put her on the table here. But it's very art, very artistic and very beautiful just to see the way they move. Um,
0: so in a way. It's his theatrical device, yeah. as opposed to making us believe that there's magic, somehow. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes,
2: it does. Yeah, she. Yeah, she's yeah. up on the table. She's airborne. Yeah. She. She arrives at the ball with the Fates. Uh,
0: they help create her carriage, her coach. <laughs> oh, the coach. We'll get to that in a minute. So, here are um, just a a lovely portrait of these incredible characters. Um, You have a history, Anita, of doing Cinderella's stepmother. We've heard you talk about how much you loved doing that. Um, Does this stepmother's character have um, a similar? Different yes,
2: in um, some ways, yeah. uh, I think Michael's character was a, was broader, and um, this one. It, 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 but they are they are similar. Yeah, just the way to just the way to to portray somebody who's so so awful, it, you know. <laughs> 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 but this one, this lady's on point, and she dances a lot. And Michael's character was, was much more just a you know a yeah. ca- character mm-hmm. person.
0: And then the two stepsisters, um, I think it's of note that in two casts, they're danced by principal dancers in our, in mm-hmm. our production. Um, as you said, they're danced by women and not by men. And they're not subsidiary characters just relegated to soloists. They're danced by women who alternate as Cinderella. Right. Mm. And was that work done here or was that work done in Holland?
1: In Holland, in Holland, Mm -hmm. this was great in Holland. And what's great about these these two roles, um, and Christopher's always saying that, it's that uh, their dancing is very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where the humor is. So it's not just about trying to be funny, but uh, you have to, first. the first thing is you have to execute the steps very, very clearly and very precise. That's kind of the vehicle for the comedy. Without that, Mm -hmm. it would just Mm be silly and a little bit... Slapstick. uh, Slapstick, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. That's the good word, yeah. Mm -hmm. And and, and so it's very, very nice, yeah, because technically very, very demanding, and if it's executed very well like these two ladies do. Yeah, they do. Sarah and Frances. Their
2: their ballroom dance he did here. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Um, This is... uh, The music tells us we have to have the seasons. Um, this is the wonderful Prokofiev score. I had a feeling that there w- was um, music used that w- I was not familiar with from the Christensen-Smeulen production or from the Ashton production. Am mm-hmm. I right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's music I've never heard.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. the, 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 um, the portrait scene, mm. the King's Rage, mm-hmm. um, <coughs> that is definitely not in the Ashton production. What about either? the
2: princesses?
1: Uh, the princesses in the, th- right in the second right. act the Spanish and the Um, Russian and the. I think we have um, a
0: picture of that. This just, by the way, is the Four Seasons with Cinderella. Um, Here she is at the ball. That's a good, good, good picture of the fates Mm -hmm. with her. Yeah. Um, And.
1: Those are the (laughs) fates, yeah.
0: This is, um, this is kind of out of the old classic tradition of having a divertissement in the ballroom scene. Um, And and yet it's a little bit comic.
1: It is, it's quite funny. (laughs)
0: funny. More than a little bit comic uh, to have these princesses who clearly the prince is not thrilled. (coughs) And I know there is, I could have sworn there was a picture of the portraits in here, but maybe not. Um, The wonderful ballroom. The wonderful romance, and difficult. Now, San Francisco Ballet has done, I think it's 12 Wheeldon ballets, and only one of them that I can think of, and that's Sea Pictures, has story and characters. The rest are all very abstract. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, I could see Wielden in the pas de deux, his yeah. use of the... D- so, what, what are some of the characteristics of a Wielden pas de deux?
1: Are very difficult, <laughs>
2: very difficult,
1: and unusual
2: <laughs> yeah. partnering, unusual ways of holding, of holding, lots grips, of interesting grips, yeah. not 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 just a regular promenade. Yeah. Hello, like <laughs> let's go around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, off yeah. balance, uh, unusual mm-hmm. lifts. Mm-hmm. Usually, not a lot of turns,
1: and everything not to so the left. Everything to the left because he was a lefty when he was that a dancer. Oh, okay, everything
0: yeah. to the left. That's true. For well, some of the dancers that would be okay, but for some maybe not so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: But what's interesting is that you can tell his influence uh, f- as a, as a British trained dancer, mm-hmm. but also having danced in America, and you can tell that in his choreography.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Um, another picture, this is Maria Kochakova, um, and then, oops, that was going <coughs> to be the last one. Um, no, nope, but I guess we don't have the portraits, I'm sorry. I misled you, explain a little bit about what we mean by the portraits, just so they don't yes go ahead
1: well the portrait scene is basically a scene where the the king is is uh, saying to the prince that the king the kingdom is in jeopardy and that they must somehow come to an alliance with one of these countries and that he must choose a princess uh, and so the king is. Uh, first initially pointing at a map of Europe and saying a princess from here and from here and from here is coming and you must decide, you must marry someone. Then the queen comes and says, yes, your father is, is right. And then the screen uh, the scrim gets lifted and there's portraits of different kind of princesses. <laughs> and uh, it's a very funny scene, yeah. yeah. Um, as the dancing, uh, as as the action takes place, the portraits change and things happen to, it's to it gonna be it's nice. where <laughs>
2: his friend, the prince has a friend whose name is Benjamin and they appear in the first scene one of the first scenes as children in the ballet and then in the portrait scene Benjamin makes fun of each of these princesses and he tells him what he makes he tells the prince what they're actually going to turn out to be like once he marries them Exactly <laughs>
0: <laughs> And the portraits are done with projections is that right Yeah So they can actually it's very Harry Potter mm. they they can change as you're watching the portraits. Um, That's maybe a good segue into just, um, I'm looking at our time, we've got just a few more minutes with Anita, but um, to talk about some of the special, this production is very rich in theatrical um, accessories and theatrical, um, I'm sorry, I've lost a word that's that's a better sounding word than gimmick. Stuff. I mean, there's just so much that moves and, and lives and changes using light and special effect. Um, how to even begin to characterize that? The, um, the tree, there's a special, special uh, persona to this wonderful tree, which is not in your Disney version of Cinderella. I can just speak a minute about about
2: about this. I I can talk a little bit about the tree and the coach because those were created here by a man who was from here, which I thought was just a wonderful sort of another sort of coincidence, but just a wonderful element of this production. Uh, His name is Basil Twist, and didn't really know who they were, but there was in the little Scutchfield studio for several couple of weeks. These really happy, like elven people were creating these. Things and and they were they were creating out of wire, and brown paper and tape. That's it. And they were basically making the coach come together. And it was it's a he's a he was trained in Europe as a puppeteer. puppeteer yeah. So it's nothing nothing was weighty. It was fabric. It was a fan. It was wire wheels. Um, and and but just the creativity of this person and how to make it all a dance and. And then come together. It's, uh, it was just wonderful. I just I would just stand at the door and watch because they were having so much fun, and they were delightful. They didn't even de- they didn't even create it on the dancers, the pro- the professionals, the leads. They created it on uh, students and apprentices, and then they made a video, and it was very beautiful. And it was all done right there in the studio, successful. And then they just had to make it theatrical with the right colors and fabrics and everything to make really come to life, but. It's a very, very simple principle. And I love that about it.
0: Oh yeah. Lightweight,
2: easy to travel, all of those things that are just great. Projections and fabric are all such great things when you're talking about full length ballets. It can be so heavy and so difficult to Mm -hmm. transport and to tour and all of those things. So wonderful element.
0: We're gonna have to let you go. And I'm glad that we did get to hear you talk about the characters and about the wonderful coach. Uh, when this audience goes to see the performance tonight, you will be Queen Charlotte. I love how the names... Well, I think yeah. so. The, the dancer's name was Charlotte, I, oh.
2: I think. Is, is that right? The queen in, in, in Amsterdam? Because she is Charlotte. I think her. she signed the poster, Charlotte Simone or something like that.
1: Oh, no no, 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 Her name was Louise. Oh. <laughs> but she's Louise. not Queen Louise. I want
2: to be Queen Wilhelmina.
0: <laughs> after oh, the well windmill yeah. in Golden Gate Park. <laughs> you know, because yeah. that's a Dutch windmill. So I am Queen Wilhelmina. So, well, she imagines that she's Queen Wilhelmina. Wilhelm- Wilhelmina. And she gets credited as Queen Charlotte. And this, you add to your repertoire of um, the Queen Mothers that you've done in time. And um, you said, there's one minute. You said you had a story about how the fact that you are the mother of boys has oh influenced oh your being a queen mother or a stage mother. That's interesting. Yeah, there's a, just a, there's
2: a little element to the, what Christopher was trying to do is show that the, the prince and Cilla Cinderella come from real backgrounds and they're not all lovely. Cinderella loses her mother. It's very sad for her. She goes to live with a family who's horrible. And in the case of the prince, he has a very overbearing father, the king, mm. who's got kind of an anger issue. And the queen is like, I call her, I call her the Prozac queen <laughs> because, <laughs> because her job is just to say everything is going to be all right. <laughs> it's all right, dear. It's, and I, it, it's, I gotta be crazy because he's clearly not normal. <laughs> you know, he's, he's got a problem. But anyway, I react a little bit to the prince that way too just because I'm so used to being that way. Yeah. See, I'm part of the problem. It's a little bit of a dysfunctional <laughs> family.
0: <laughs> and, I, you know, you just... This isn't when really necessary for the <laughs> enjoyment of the show, no. but it helps. But
2: I have two sons, and they're yeah. grown now, and there are times when I could be very angry with them, but I just can't be. And so I'm like, oh, Dylan, it's okay. <laughs> you know, I, I, can see, I can see how that happens, that you just try to smooth the waters. You know, if dad's angry about something oh, be fine. So that's the funny story.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, Anita, thank you so much for Thanks. joining us.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: We look forward to seeing you in the production this thank evening. Thank you,
2: everybody. Lovely.
0: Well, before we open it up to some questions from the audience, um, I did want to address. Um, A question, she talked about how it was created, the coach, which is an amazing special effect, is really very simple, created in the studio, and that partly answered my question. Here we have magic happening on stage. How do the dancers learn the magic? Do they learn it in the studio, or do they have to wait until all of these technical
1: rehearsals? No, no. no. It's it's really done in the studio and very precise in a very precise mm-hmm. manner, uh, with very strict parameters of y- hitting your right mark on stage and the right timing and the right musical cue. Now it's a very very precise uh, enterprise, so that when it gets to the stage and all mayhem is happening, everything goes goes well. So added to that comes the special effects the the way the light hits the scene, the way certain scrim is coming down at the right time. (coughs) Um, I don't want to give too much away, so. um, But But no, it it had to be done very, very exact in the studio.
0: I I wondered, just because when you see the light, the light is very important, and the lighting designer, Natasha Katz, um, the color, the area of the stage that has bright light, and then another area of the stage gets the bright light. And the scrims, I think that's probably something not everyone understands is that um, when you take theatrical production class, um, when you light one side of a scrim, it's transparent. When you light the other side of the scrim, it's opaque. Exactly. And so the designers use that as a way of tricking the audience. Mm -hmm. Um, But but that-
1: You know, it's like in the old days, big story ballets were done with huge, heavy scenery and mm-hmm, <laughs> these amazing uh, changes of scenery. Nowadays, everything is done with scrims, projections, with uh, you know mm-hmm. very intricate lighting. Mm-hmm. And she's an incredible uh, lighting designer. And Christopher is also, it helps that he's incredibly knowledgeable about theater and mm-hmm. about lighting. Because mm-hmm. he is very much no, this doesn't look right, Natasha. This has to be more like this. This has to be lit from this side and that side. He, he m- a lot of choreographers don't don't know this kind of language, uh-huh. and he does. Wow. So that's great.
0: Um, produc- say a little bit about projection as as a tool that scenic designers now have, and and the role it plays in this production.
1: Well, I had yeah. seen it. I had seen it earlier on in, in Amsterdam. We did a production of uh, we did a, a, a ballet uh, Don Giovanni. Uh, with the music from Mozart, um, by a, a choreographer named Krzysztof Pastor, uh, a Polish choreographer, and that was kind of the first time that I saw uh, projections as uh, replacing scenery, sort of. But this was already, mm-hmm. you know, some, mm-hmm. some 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 time ago, and it was interesting. And but now, I mean, this is really something. I mean, when we were in Amsterdam, the 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 week uh, prior to the opening, um, and we were doing all the technical rehearsals on stage, and there were these two guys. I don't know where they're from. I, 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 it almost feels like they're working at Google or something because they were very <laughs> much the type sitting in the in the back of the, t- the stage with their laptops. You could hear them laughing and just like typing away and making jokes. And these guys are geniuses, and they are the guys who did all these projections. That's amazing. With an unbelievable uh, high, uh, digital uh, high-quality projector, and, and they're just it's, it's just purely beautiful. So from that Don Giovanni that I'm mentioning to now, it's a huge leap of technology, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and you will see it's fantastic. Projections are really what what makes this piece so great.
0: And I don't think it's giving anything away to say the tree which is, has a huge role in the piece. Um, Part of the magic of the tree is that the projections.
1: It's only the projections. If you were to look at the tree, you'd be like. (laughs)
0: It's.
1: What's that? Yeah. If you were just to come backstage after a performance, you'd see the the, the, the scenery that is the tree. It's nothing. Seriously. But, it,
0: but it's alive. But,
1: it's but the w- I mean, you have to see it with these projections on, it's, it's, yeah. it's really yeah. something. I've seen this production many times because, uh, well, I was a ballet master in Holland, so I saw about 20-some shows in total, plus all the rehearsals before. Yeah. So I've seen it many times, I've seen it many times here. So there are, there are different performances where I'll be looking at the dancing, I mean, and sometimes I just like to look at the tree. <laughs> Because that's there are many interesting things going on in the tree, uh-huh. really. So I hope that you get to come many times so that you can look at the tree. <laughs>
0: well, and I'm, I'm guessing as you're saying it that there are little jokes probably embedded oh, yeah. in the...
1: Yeah, like uh, I'll be watching one scene and one day I'll decide to only look at this part of the stage. So I'm just like focusing here and seeing what's happening. And next thing you know, I discover, oh, look at that. That's a group <laughs> funny and not everybody knows that. It's like watching a movie many, many, many times mm-hmm. and you see little mm-hmm. things. So it's a little bit like that, ah. yeah.
0: We do have a few minutes for questions and I, as you can tell, Felipe is just loaded with information and experiences and so I'm gonna let um, Cecilia and Kate are down there with microphones. Okay. Thank you, your, quest- your first question's on your right. Okay. I'm sorry, <laughs> I thought you had a question. <laughs> Raise okay. your okay. hand.
1: We have one over here. On your left.
2: Okay. Uh, several years ago in Berkeley, there was a performance, I believe, of Cinderella with the Berkeley
0: Symphony Orchestra. Uh-huh. And I think
1: it was the
0: Dutch National Ballet. Have I got this right?
1: No, I don't, I don't believe so. We, uh, the Dutch National Ballet has, has never performed in Berkeley. Oh, you've never come to Berkeley. No. Okay. Well, I made that up. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been nice though. <laughs> um, we have another here.
0: Uh, oh, oh, we've got one here. Okay. okay. Uh, were there any dances from uh, Holland in this production? That's
1: you mean you mean lo- yes. now locally being yes, performed here? Yes, I saw here. the
0: production on Sunday matinee, uh-huh. and there were some dances. I said, I don't recognize them. And, I, and I'm a regular going. No,
1: but you know that is a the good The
0: blonde al- hair, and I just, who are they? Are they wearing <laughs> hair pieces, or are they from Holland?
1: Well, no <laughs> yeah, that is a good assumption, but no. Um, they, are, they are the dancers from San Francisco Valley. It's just, the, there's a, a, a lot of very elaborate wigs and things okay. like that. Okay. But you know, that is a very interesting thing, because Cinderella, it's a co-production, and um, it'll be performed, I'm sure, several times here and in Holland. And it would be very interesting um, to kind of have a little exchange so that maybe uh, a principal couple from Holland will come here and be a guest artist and perform it with the San Francisco Ballet. And the same vice versa, a couple from here will come to Holland and perform it with the Dutch National Ballet. So hopefully that will take place.
0: I think it might be worth mentioning that in a production this size, every last dancer plus the trainees, plus some students from the advanced classes of the school are involved. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's maybe dancers you're not used to seeing on stage Right, exactly, exactly, yeah. Exactly. yeah. yeah. Uh, so I have a question. I'm familiar with the pumpkin and the coach, but what's the tree?
1: Well, the, the, the tree, uh, let's see, so. so back up to the
0: grim story.
1: So uh, uh, when Cinderella loses her mother, she's at, at, at the grave site of her mother and she begins to cry at the grave. And just the idea was that her tears uh, going into the soil um, make for uh, uh, the tree, a tree to grow. And basically that tree accompanies her throughout her life and throughout the ballet and that tree just Grows and grows and grows. So from the first time you see the tree in the valley, it's a small tree, <laughs> and it just gro- as as the as the ballet goes on, the tree grows and it grows and it grows and it grows until it's a very beautiful huge tree. So that is how the that's what the tree represents in the valley. Her her tears for her mother going into the earth and coming back out as something beautiful.
0: And if I could add that. Um you can read more about this in the program notes, but Christopher's idea was to take um, an amalgam of the versions of the Cinderella story. And we're most familiar with the one by Perrault, which is French, and that's the one that Disney appropriated, which has sort of taken over our perceptions of what the story should be, bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. And um, the grim tale is just a little darker, and I think Prokofiev's music is considered to be very dark. He wrote it in a very depressed period of his life. So it's f- in a very minor key. Yeah, throughout. you can tell, yeah. you can
1: actually tell that from the very first mm-hmm. accords yes. of the music. Very dark. Mm-hmm. pom. Yeah. So you can tell that, yeah. that macabre sense, yeah.
0: And um, Christopher very wisely, I think, decided to just go with a slightly different uh, version. He didn't reinvent it. He just decided to, um, not unlike um, Newmeyer decided to go back to the Hans Christian Andersen Little Mermaid, which was so different in our perception from the Disney right. Little Mermaid. Right. Um, so I guess the, the message here is, discard Disney <laughs> from your thinking. <laughs> um, do we have another question?
1: There's a question in the back left, Mary.
0: Uh, Mr. Diaz, it wasn't clear to me why um, the choreographer was creating and doing all this within two countries. Why was that?
1: Why? Uh, well, it's, it's um, you know, in this time of financial difficulty, uh, it's very common. Uh, companies all over Europe are also getting cut uh, financially from governments, or, uh, as before governments were, were their main source of, of, of income. Not pri- not private fund funding like it, it is so here, so um, that is kind of a general thing happening in, in in ballet companies around the world. So it's now common that two companies come together and they basically share the costs uh, of let's say okay, so we pay for a set of scenery, and and two companies pay for the building of the set of of the scenery and the costumes and both companies can use the scenery and the costumes, so that has been done, but it hasn't been done in this way where the dancing has actually been split and being created with the two. So it, 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 was, a c- it, it was a collaboration financially as well, uh, to, to be able to make such a massive production like this, which, which has a huge financial cost, uh, so that is one aspect of it, but the other uh, aspect of it is to collaborate, from artists across the, the ocean, you know, and so have mm-hmm. the input from here and the input from there and it comes together.
0: An example of this in our recent history is the ballet Coppelia, very different in terms of the artistic collaboration because it was a pre-existing ballet. But um, the Pacific Northwest Ballet and San Francisco Ballet collaborated on the sets and costumes right. production. Le- so they split the cost. And that's, again, it's becoming a very common thing. That is do. common,
1: exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 <coughs> all companies now are collaborating that way. Uh, can you please, uh, can I rent your sets or mm-hmm. can I do that? Mm-hmm. And also they are just creating uh, 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 sets and costumes for different productions. But but as far as I'm concerned, uh, and as far as I know, this is the first time that the actual dancing has been made mm-hmm. that way.
0: And I'm sure that they'd had its moments of Stresses and challenges, as well as
1: oh, absolutely, positives. absolutely, because uh, he created, like Anita was saying, he created a, a, a huge amount of, wor- of, of work here. Uh, uh, and as I said before, myself and, uh, uh, and another ballet mistress from Holland, we were here filming those rehearsals, notating those rehearsals that we had to teach <coughs> that in Holland. So we had a. a, a first impression of that, and we could clearly go there and teach. The problem came when uh, we left, because we had to go back to Holland and start our work there with other ballets and other things, and we got a stack of DVDs about this big, with the rest of the stuff he was making here, and so we had to watch and take it from there, and that was... (laughs) What, What is that? (laughs) <laughs> you know, so that was that oh was very God. difficult um. and um, that, that, that was a very stressful time just because of the time. Christopher had uh, arrived in Amsterdam and obviously the ballet wasn't finished. So you ran into the problem of he has to finish the ballet, that is one thing. But at the same time, you, you, you have to rehearse the ballet. It's not enough with just finishing the ballet. Finishing the ballet is one Good. thing, but actually <laughs> being able to get through it for the dancers to have the stamina for the dancers to know exactly what they're doing and how they're doing it. And, uh, and, and the actual rehearsal that takes place. And by rehearsal, I mean, you have to repeat things a million times so that your muscle memory simulates things and you don't have to think twice about it. So that, that was the yeah. problem. You had to, you had to say, okay, Christopher has to do, uh, he had full priority, so he had the people he needed in one room, keep on creating, keep on creating, keep on creating, till very late in the evening, Uh, when in another room uh, I would be rehearsing maybe a principal couple, getting them ready for the role, and vice versa, but yeah, it was very difficult. It was very difficult.
0: I wish we had more time, and those of you who are going to the performance have a little bit of a sprint up the street so i at this point i need to say thank you for a wonderful season in these productions um, thank you. don't forget to renew for next season keep your eye on the website for the <laughs> podcasts and at this time i want to say thank you profoundly and profusely to felipe for joining us and do enjoy cinderella thank, thank, you. You. thank you very much, thank you.